third millennium, the world changed. Climate, nations, all were in upheaval. The earth transformed into a poisonous, scorched desert known as the Cursed Earth. Millions of people crowded into a few megacities where roving bands of street savages created violence the justice system could not control. Law as we know it collapsed. From the decay arose a new order, a society ruled by a new elite force. A force with the power to dispense both justice and punishment. They were the police, jury, and executioner all in one. They were the judges. The Epic Film Guys Podcast. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Epic Film Guys podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, it's a it's a special, and I more special than I would say most episodes of this show has ever been. Mega City Municipal Code two thirteen, willful destruction of property. That's two years. Code three ten, illegal possession of assault weapons. Five years. Code four thirty seven, resisting arrest. Twenty years. In code 3613, the first degree murder of a straight judge. Let me guess. <laughs> life. Death. <laughs> Court's adjourned. That's one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, but god damn it, Nick. God damn it. I don't know how we're going to get through this entire episode. Five years... We've been five, doing the show. Five years. I think I think Justin for once. We always give this out to guests who, who are whatever, the highest honor we can bestow. I think we've earned it for once. We have earned the mightiest mattering. Ladies and gentlemen, by the time you're hearing this, we are officially kicking over the five year mark of the Epic Film Guys podcast. The show has now lasted longer than my marriage did. But don't don't is there a rim shot sound effect I could put in here somewhere? Don't do I'm so that happy to yourself. You as my best friend. Oh, thank you, Tommy. But uh, yeah, we've we, literally, ladies and gentlemen, we've talked about it. If you're a new listener to the show, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I am Epic Film Guy Nick. I'm joined by I'm Justin, that guy, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the the human troll doll, as some have called him. It's for really... now, at least. Yeah, I mean, we're in COVID and. I'm letting my wife and kid do my hair. Just have their so way until with your I can hair. get to a barber, whatever. I don't care. Telling you, man. But uh, yeah, it's uh, five years, ladies and gentlemen. Five years ago, I was talking at my phone, the same phone I still own today, which no longer holds a charge because I, I can't afford a new phone. But yeah, recording a review of Terminator Genesis, Justin, which I believe I rated the most generous seven out of ten i've given like my ratings like i became way stingier the longer this show has gone on you like on the other flip side of that i believe you've become way more like 
giving with with we don't even give numerical ratings on the show anymore we haven't for all of hashtag canon quarantine and all these anniversaries we've been celebrating because of course theaters are shut right now so we're not seeing new movies so we're not really reviewing anything for a rating system but you know don't worry they'll come back all the changes man we have changed so much in in five years of of podcasting think just think back to like that first year remember the first year that we were doing the show was the year that the force awakens came out we did all that star wars retrospective stuff i'm still very proud of our force awakens episode i remember that as much as you gave that movie shit and you spat all over it i got a lot of positivity out of you when you discussed it so i mean i don't hate our early entries, I know a lot of podcasts go back and they delete them. They try to remove them from existence. Mm, they're, they're not still proud up of them. They're still up there. They're I mean, not in your podcatcher because your podcatcher only aggregates so many episodes of the past uh, of the of the episode list that we've got. Because we've got like in main main run episodes. This is 242 in terms of main run episodes. But then there's also like 50 minis- minisodes, all the B-sides, all the, B-sides. All the spotlights, all the other yeah, content baby. that we've dumped out there. Like we've got probably like 500 episodes on the on the Podbean feed. Thank you, Podbean, for being an amazing host for the past five years. We absolutely love you. We love you, you Podbean. Podbean. Shout out Shannon Martin. We absolutely love Shannon Martin as well. But yeah, it's like all the all the amazing things, all the crazy things that have changed and uh, about the show but yeah all that early content's still up there it's all still there on on podbean if you want to look back to it go back to 2015 now remember if you remember justin way back in the early days this is getting old school on the show old old school i didn't know how to set up a podcast when we first because you and i neither one of us listened to podcasts when we first started this at all not at all i had never listened to one literally ever so by the time we actually started doing this, I had no idea how to set it up. And I was looking up setting up an RSS feed on Google Drive based on a document that was like three or four years old. Google Drive had ended the ability to do that. So you couldn't host podcasts on Google Drive anymore. But I didn't know that because I can't read dates apparently. So I tried to set up an RSS feed to host our show on our Google Drive, if you recall. And I do remember this. Yeah, it it uh, it, it never worked properly so i had to dump all the episodes on podbean once we signed up for an account i believe august of 2015 was when we officially signed up for the podbean account but yep first week of july 2015 terminator genesis was the first review i talked at my phone for 40 minutes and it's still dan brennick's favorite episode of all time (laughs) i still don't remember the first episode that i was actually on with you I want I to say it was yet. three. I want to say I did two by myself, and then you showed up. It was either three or four. I can't remember. But I, I don't remember what the subject, what, like the, what the content was about. But you whatever. remember we used to be like we used to just talk like a lot about news and stuff. We used to have dedicated segments to talk about news, whatever it was. Even if we didn't even care about it, we would bring it up to talk about it because we used to try to skew content like in order to try to target listeners. Whereas nowadays we just do whatever we want. We don't give a fuck. No. Fuck's given her zero, 100%. We're covering canon zero. movies on the show every goddamn Dude, week. Dude, we're, we're doing a full retrospective tonight on fucking the 1995 Judge Dredd movie. So that just, that, of course, as friends, 
before we were podcasters together, before we had this little thing called the Epic Film Guys. It was a movie much like Batman 89 and, and many other movies that kind of brought us together where we'd be at work and just spouting off fucking Stallone one-liners <laughs> at each other. And, you know, you could go back through the history of this show. It's really, really <laughs> funny. Even as far back, I think like the first ever promo, I'll see if I can find it in the first ever promo that we cut together for this show of us doing quotes from this movie like this movie is just tied so much to the history of us as friends as you said and even to the history of this show we've literally been quoting back and forth between each other what are you doing down there judge hershey waiting for backup it's here like we've literally been doing it for years and what's cool about this is we are recording right now this episode on the actual 25th anniversary of the film, Debbie's gonna it's going to be released with the belt now. within the same week upon its r- original release. But it's really exciting for me. I've been really loving what we've been doing lately. I've loved Canon Quarantine. I love doing retrospectives of films, especially, you know, again, I, I said it last week on our show, but thank you to all the Batman fans that keep piling in every week and downloading our Batman Forever 25th anniversary retrospective, um, particularly after Joel Schumacher passed away last week. Definitely celebrate his filmography in any way you can and download that episode. If you have not, it's one of my favorite things we've done in a long time, but thank you to great, everybody. Great, Just, great if this is your first time checking in with us, checking out the Epic film guys, thank you. And if this is your 25th time or your 50th time or your 100th time, you know, no matter how many times you've listened to the show, or even if you're a loyal you so soldier much. from all the way back in the YouTube days, like Jared Taylor, Destruction in Human Form, and a lot of other people too, who've been following us for years and years and years, uh, we literally, literally can't thank you enough. Especially our patrons, our absolutely amazing patrons of the show, uh, EpicFilmGuys.com/slash/Patreon. If you want to sign up for Patreon patron status, uh, I need to work on getting more content over on the Patreon more faster, sooner now. I mean, you think about the live stream for The Cure. We've done that for four years now. Didn't hit our goal the first year, but we just ended this year's event a month ago. Setting a goal of $10,000, raising $16,000 pretty much for cancer research. I mean, it's just everything about the show has has exploded, you know, beyond our wildest dreams, I think. Of course, we'd love to explode it even further. So, you know get out there to social media, follow us at Epic film guys on Instagram and on Facebook and Twitter. When I eventually decide to really get myself re immersed into social media again, I'm enjoying my time away from it, except for this past week to, you know, the, the this past weekend, because my son graduated from high school. So congratulations to my son uh, for graduating. Congrats to Kenor, man. That's great. That's it. Great I have news. no more kids in, in, in high school. So booting them right out. And, uh, you know, sharing pictures of that and everything, obviously, over on social media with family and whatnot. Got to see my niece's baby for the first time, little baby Colson, who's about four months old. I hadn't gotten a chance to meet him since he was born. And that was really, really, really nice. Got to see my other son, Brody, and a bunch of uh, my mother, my father, my stepmom, like a whole bunch of family I haven't seen since COVID, really. Like, so it was kind of a nice weekend. It was kind of fun to 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 see everybody and everything like that but uh yeah follow us on social media please and you know get over there and join up and and take part in things like you know justin posted earlier today about picking three batman movies just picking your three out of the choices that were placed over on the page and i I'm, we're starting a campaign ladies and gentlemen i want you all to go on all your social media platforms it's I want, happening i want you to get we're a hashtag doing it. and 
I want you to, to get it hashtag and Jesus God, I haven't had a drop of alcohol in weeks. I swear to God, but hashtag tut movie. This movie needs to happen. We're making it happen. We're getting a big screen version of the 1966 Batman villain, the greatest Batman villain of all time. You Joker fanboys, get out. Because King Tut and his shredded wheat motherfucking beard is the Dude, greatest the Batman most villain epic, iconic, of all goddamn time. Ever. I want this movie. It's going to be just, you know, and think of, and Justin, we're going to make Justin design the poster. I'm going to keep making, making him do it. But just like Joker, but instead of Joker, just Tut. That's it. And the poster is just going to be a picture of his fucking beard. <laughs> <laughs> this movie needs to happen, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care. We need to make this thing happen. So get on social media. Give us tweet at Warner Brothers. <laughs> DC Comics demand. Demand that we get our Tut origin I movie. mean, dude, anything's fucking possible. Literally, we talked about on the show last week. I still can't believe this is real life. The possibility that Michael Keaton is in talks to return as Batman in the upcoming Flash movie starring Ezra Miller. That means anything's possible. That means Warner Brothers will listen to anybody because you know goddamn well that wasn't a Warner Brothers idea. That sounds like an agent idea or somebody else came in creatively. It was like, this this, this would help you a lot. This may be something that fans really will enjoy. Um, Side note. I want to make sure that people are very clear on this because we did go really in-depth last week on that subject and we're not going to spend much time on it today. But, yo, please, for your own benefit and your friends that you may try to tell and the people that will see the posts if you share them, Christian Bale will never return as Batman for this. So if you're reading an article that says that if Keaton's not going to do this, that Bale's going to return, dude, it's not true. The original report is the only thing we got. Anything else you're seeing where there's going to see Michael Keaton wear this costume in this movie, or he's going to do this and do that in this movie. Listen, he hasn't signed anything yet. Please relax yourself. I'm starting, I'm, excited. Campaign. I'm starting to campaign that if Keaton doesn't do it, I want Clooney to come back. <laughs> Dude, I actually saw it. You're not the only person. Dude, Kevin fucking Smith was like, does that mean we can get George Clooney back under the nipples and the cowl? I mean, for sure, dude. Anything's possible. I understand. Speculation is a lot of fun. It really is, especially when you're a fan and during COVID right now, we don't have a lot to do. Sitting around thinking about what kind of costume he's going to be in, how long the ears are going to be. Little things. I get it. We're fans. That's what we do. But seriously, Please stop posting shit from like we got this covered.com because all their shit is garbage. Christian Bale's not going to be in it. N- no one, literally, this is a very small thing. Just think of it that way. It tastes a little throw up in my mouth. Oh. But side note, though, you talked about being able to spend some amazing time with family and see your boy graduate high school. I gained a little bit of normalcy last week when to celebrate the 35th anniversary of Back to the Future. Be on the lookout for a special guest episode with myself and another great podcast next week. What movie? I is went it? to see. Uh, you probably have never heard of it. It's a movie where a high school kid hangs out with a really weird, wily-eyed fucking scientist, and you know, wasn't that that one with the terrorists and the uranium in it? 
Yeah, there, yep, yep. Okay, there, okay. There's, yeah, there's, no, I, I know, I know. Well, that plutonium, movie. plutonium, but yeah, um, yeah, and they fifty eighteen eighty five and nineteen fifty five, and yeah, it's weird. It's a really weird movie. No one really mm. pays attention to it. Um, but I went to see them, that and E. T. Steven Spielberg's E. T. at a vintage drive-in theater built oh, in nineteen fifty six. Wait a minute, wait, 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 whoa, whoa. Was it the original E.T. or was it walkie-talkies instead of guns E.T.? It was the original E.T. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think Spielberg regrets doing that, though. I think he did it, and now he regrets having done it. I'm almost po- – I've never seen that version where he replaced the fucking guns, ever. I've never seen that version. No one else so. has either because no one in their right minds would ever watch it. I'm not sure – Steve, I don't know what you were thinking there, but maybe I really just, think he regretted it. He, though, he hit a bump like, in the road. He like immediately, not immediately, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he regretted it and then went back to being like, no, here's the guns version again, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. And honestly, the cops aren't very threatening at all. There's a line where Dee Wallace, she plays the mom in the movie. She's like, no guns. They're kids. They immediately put the guns like away. They're not like, you know, about to blow the kids heads off or anything. Um, but yes, I went, I, this drive-in was not even on my radar, Nick. It's an hour and a half away outside of Baltimore. It's called the Benji's Drive-In Theater, built in 1956, and they've kept it up. It's fucking gorgeous. You guys that listen to the show normally, you know that I talk about the Mahoning Drive-In Theater a lot, which is a vintage theater. This place has kept its exact look since 1956. It's been family-owned. Nick, I'm telling you right now, dude, if you ever went to this concession stand, it is the biggest and the most vintage and beautiful I've ever seen. Now, granted, I didn't eat any candy or any junk. I had two plain burgers with no bread. That's how fucking lame I am. My wife, on the other hand, is another story. But the place was gorgeous. There's, it, It's known to have a lot of rules. I've read a lot of Yelp reviews, which I do before I go anywhere. There are lots of signs with big, bold lettering on them. But I think the point of their, their rule system is to basically keep the place clean intact keep riffraff out and make people understand that you're there to respect and appreciate the movies and respect each other's viewing experience and it's not about going there to play some i don't don't know fool around and have some hand jobs and hanky panky they have people walking around during the movies behind the cars to make sure they're not fooling around and, and causing any trouble and it was a gorgeous Starry night. I just absolutely fell in love, man. You know how I love my nostalgia boner. Well, it was hard the entire fucking time. I uh, can't wait to go back. The next thing that they announced that's worth any bit of my time, I'm going to drive out there for that. Now, granted, it's not 35 millimeter. It's all digital, but the digital projector they have, Nick, is beautiful. It makes anything being run at AMC theaters automatically look like a cinema saver theater absolutely beautiful projection like i just fell in love with it so it felt good i know it's been a long time since the both of us or any of the epic film guys have seen anything on a big screen anywhere so to be able to go to a drive-in and see two movies that i love and adore and especially one that i knew i was planning on talking about for a special episode with some great other podcasters uh over the weekend I just wanted to prep myself in the best way possible. So let's talk that back happened. to the future. And uh, remember, well, we famously, well, famously to us, I guess, saw Ghostbusters at the at the theater there in Muzik, uh in the in Cinemark, in the right? Um, yeah, down in Cinemark. But uh, I also saw Back to the Future in that because they used to do, they well, I'm sure they still do it whenever they're open again. Uh, that Cinemark classic series where they would do like a different vintage movie. I saw Back to the Future in the theater again. Uh, during that series back in, I don't know, 2013, 2014, somewhere around then. So, yeah, yeah I remember, I remember you doing that. So again, 
this is a movie that, you know, because I spend so much time at Alamo Draft House when they are open. I go to the movie parties like a year ago. They they brought DeLoreans and it was a big deal. I got to be a part of that. But as many times as I've seen the movies that I love on the big screen, you just can't miss out. You just have to experience it. And being there with a group of people, it was like a sold out showing. You know, you just feel that energy. And it's been so long since I've felt that. It's, it's a great, great feeling. And you can feel good about the fact that you're in a drive-in. It's safer. You know, you don't have to worry about getting sick if you are worried about the thing with the COVID or anything like that. It's It was an amazing experience. I can't wait to go back. Ladies and gentlemen, it, I mean, he's been here a lot lately, so we definitely have to give a, a shout out. It's five years of the show. He hasn't been a part of the show for five years. He only He only joined us later, later on as a special guest, as special guest brian loy but now ladies and gentlemen you all know him as the one and only god of podcasting Ow! but he ain't here he ain't no. here the lo 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 loy sauce he ain't here Mm-mm. uh as i yeah, always explain down. when he's not here i don't know where he is don't ask no clue what he's That's up to what kind of shenanigans he's gotten himself into um but You're he's not, not here dad. for this special occasion now I, I know that he did watch this movie in preparation for this separately, but also with me when he came over. I got a theory. I know recently. why he's not here. Is it because I got him too drunk? Well, or? probably, but it, it, listen, I think what happened is because he didn't, he doesn't like it. He said like before he rewatched it, that he hated it. He hated this movie, but I bet you he rewatched it and he loved it so much that he's ashamed to come on the show yeah. and admit how much he loves it. Cause he knows we'll he didn't make fun of him it. for it. He didn't want to admit it. He's trying to keep up his cred with the with the with the with the Stallone dread haters out there, whatever the case may be. But wherever wherever the sauce is, we all know people want the sauce. So, you know, he's missed. We love you. We love you, God of Podcasting. We love your sauciness. So you know, we'll we'll hope to see you back for hashtag canon quarantine as it rolls on and continues next week. And if you haven't had an opportunity he did a YouTube video, so head over to our YouTube channel. He did a review of the <laughs> Water Park Slasher Aqua Slash, which sounds like what I would be, would be the thing that I would love so, so much. But after his review, I was so, so sad. So go check out his review on that before you go spend the fucking money to rent that shit. Uh, check out what the sauce has to say about it. He's going to be doing, according to him, he's going to be doing YouTube reviews on our channel on a normal basis. So if he doesn't do one every week, go call him the fuck out and tell him what movie you want him to talk about. Because he watches a lot more movies than we do. Threaten to steal his socks. Take away his socks. And then what else will he have to do? You know, he'll kind of be... He'll kind of be he'll kind of be stuck with it. But uh, also, ladies and gentlemen, by the time you hear this, the July EFG Fitness Challenge will, of course, be underway, as most of you probably know, unless it's your first time tuning into the show or you're new to us. But I am turning 40 years old in the month of July at the end of the month. So the challenge is 40 miles by the 27th of July, which is my birthday. And that will include a virtual 8K, which is five miles. At the end of the month, uh, on the 25th is the date that I'm currently planning it. But of course, if it rains wherever you're doing the virtual 5K, because of course we can't all get together and do it in the same place, then the rainout date, of course, would be Sunday the 26th. But uh, yeah, 
please, 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 the EFG Fitness Challenge now has its own Facebook group because it's something that we're going to keep doing, like checking in, motivating people, talking about working out, talking about fitness. We have a bunch of people who've already signed up over there who are checking in daily, letting us know what they're doing. Sign up. It's groups facebook.com slash groups slash EFG fitness challenge, all one word, get in there, sign up again. It's just 40 miles. And I'm pretty sure I told Justin before we record, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to do 80 because only doing 40 miles. Like when I get out now, like when I pushed to get that hundred miles for live stream for the cure, like before live stream for the cure, that was tough. That was tough. But now, nowadays I'm doing like, I was doing full sprint work, Justin, four miles into my run. Well, I did a walk, but like four miles into my walk, I was doing full speed sprint work after that. And I still felt like I could have done more, but I had work to do. So I had to get, I had to get back to the house. Like I am way too far along on my kind of running training now to do 40, like only 40 miles in a month. I'll probably do that in like the first week and a half. Like if I'm that, if I stick to it, that dedicated, but I'm also doing yoga. Shout out to the Bubby, Dan's Bubby, Ashley from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, who uh, sent me uh, yoga with Adrian, which is uh, a, 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 an at-home yoga thing. It's all free on YouTube that I'm also doing. You can find I post a link to every episode of that over in the Fitness Challenge Facebook group as well. And uh, I'm a big fat dude who, you know, yoga is tough. It's I mean, it's well, the first time I ever tried to do it. I tried to do it as part of P90X because they do a whole hour of it. And if you've never done yoga before and you're trying to do P90X yoga, no. No, it's, dude, it's hard. It's hard for anybody. I think it's hard. No matter who you are, like her series is. It's nice for beginners, and if it's something that you've been skeptical about, or if you're not sure about, I would urge you to give it another try. Because if nothing else, I'm a somebody who doing this show and doing the million other things that I do, planning live stream for the Cure every year, everything else, I don't stop ever. I go 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 all the time, but yoga it what it's forced me to do is just stop and just dump everything else out of my mind just breathe relax just to be there in that moment and it like it's it's kind of helping to like reshape my perspective as you also realize like a week or 10 days or whatever before my birthday i'm headed for a year a year of hashtag drop the sugar you know, I've lost over a hundred pounds at this point in my journey. I just fit into size 40 shorts over the weekend. I, I picked them up to go to my son's graduation, threw them on. And then I took them off like sometime later that evening and, and, and looked at them. And I was like, holy shit. I haven't worn size 40 shorts since I was in college. Probably. That's so amazing, dude. Like I couldn't be more proud of you with that. It's so fucking awesome. So join the fitness challenge, Facebook group. Uh, I will help motivate you. Justin will help motivate you. Everybody else just check in, check in and we'll, we'll keep each other accountable. I try to post positive stuff in there and, you know, motivational stuff. So that way we can all help each other and, and, you know, believe in each other. Even if you don't take part in the specific challenges, which we will be giving away an EFG swag bag for those who, you know, do take part that's posting a screenshot of your treadmill or your route mileage tracker, whatever, whichever the case may be. But you know, get in there and, you know, even if you don't take part in the challenge, even if you're just doing casual workouts just for you, get in there and, and we're trying or, to build even, a fitness yeah, community. Mean, exactly. Even if you're a beginner or you don't know anything about this stuff and you're just semi-interested and yep. you just want to see what other people are doing to get yourself inspired, this is the place to be. Ask questions. Just talk to other people. There's people of all different stages that are going to take part. So you don't have to feel 
you know, worried about, well, I don't know anything about this. I'm not an expert. Maybe you haven't done anything in years and you just want to get back into it. Like no matter what level you're at, we're all going to take part in and have a great time for a great cause. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much that. So, I mean, five years, I mean, like I said, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy to think that we've been doing this show for five years now. And then, you know, we're, we're, we're working really hard. If you're not subscribed or following us over on Twitch every single week, we just did it again this week. We talked for over an hour. We touched on, you know, the, the, uh, cartoon characters that are getting, you know, um, removed from the air or getting, you know, their voice actors are quitting, uh, episodes of, of shows are getting pulled and different things and, and talking about, you know, the continued struggle for justice with hashtag black lives matter, which we do fully support, you know, and we talked a lot about that. We did our normal wrestling talk, our, our, our wrestling thing and all sorts of other stuff every week on Twitch Mondays at 10 PM, get signed up over there. Make sure you're following us so you can catch the pre-roll of the show. Also, if you're into gaming, I'm also streaming games over there. The entire stream schedule is over on the Twitch channel. No so. one likes gaming. No one does. I'm no changing the one. I'm changing the show to Epic Game Guys. I'm kicking you the fuck out of here. That's that's fine. Cool Get out of me, here, man. Dan 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 can come on and talk about Warzone because I know he's been playing. I'll, I'll just I'll just do what I do every other night is just sit and watch old '80s vintage episodes of the Love Connection on YouTube. <laughs> that's legit all I've been doing. So not even gonna lie, I'm totally cool with that. I may or may not smoke a little bit of weed before I do so, but whatever, man. Hey, you got to live the way Listen, it makes you I've been happy. Doing, all I've been doing is I've been watching one of two things because I don't, like I said, I only have Prime. I don't have any other streaming services but Prime, but I've been watching almost exclusively YouTube for the past months and months and months now, but all I've been watching lately is either how to cook that, which is like fancy cakes and all sorts of other stuff like fancy baking which really makes me want to bake more and then i've been watching uh clips of a show called eight out of ten cats do the countdown it's like a british panel comedy show it's fucking hilarious um but i've been i've been watching all sorts of random clips of that uh which is fun so you know just random stuff that's i love i i i've never do not ever understand when people are like there's nothing to watch there's a limitless amount of content out there for you if you just pop open those eyeballs. Yep. And just like that Aqua Slash review Loisos did on our YouTube channel. Go ahead and go check that out. And hey, listen, we are celebrating the 45th anniversary of Jaws this year. We already did our episode two years ago on it. So if you want to go back to the archives, I already reposted it on the anniversary date. But I also did last year with my wife. It's on our YouTube channel as well. Actually, Nick, I didn't even realize how many fucking views it's gotten. It's gotten over 10,000 views on our channel. It's got quite a bit. The locations video that you know that my wife and I did when we went to Martha's Vineyard two years ago when we edited that video last summer and posted it up for you guys. So go... Yeah, man, and we're there on location at all the little places that they shot all don't, the scenes. Or don't the, call him you know, Bruce. I don't want to hear this Bruce bullshit. His yeah, name is Jawsy. Uh, Jawsy. Jawsy the shark. I like to call him Bruce, but yeah, man. But there's plenty of stuff out there, 100%. We hope to be bringing you more video content uh, within the next Tons couple of months. Of An yeah, man. avalanche, ladies and gentlemen. So I think we've put it mm-hmm. off long enough. Society is wait. crumbling. I'm so excited. We have to ditch the old municipal code because it's just not effective anymore, which is really weirdly appropriate for this day and age. Um, And a new order must rise. The judges 
So ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a quick break for some hashtag EFG history when we return. I am the law. Judge Dread. This week in epic film history. <laughs> this is epic film guy Nick and welcome to the Real Rundown Podcast. Today's pilot episode is uh, Thursday, July 2nd, 2015. And this will probably be the date that we'll be doing this every week. Uh, we'll be discussing, of course, film. This will give me an opportunity to just kind of muse on and on and on and on endlessly as far as my feelings on the films of the day, blockbusters, everything, etc., etc., etc. We're going to have Epic Film Guy Justin in and Epic Film Guy Joe and other people, I'm sure, down the road. But for today, just the pilot episode, uh, we're going to be doing this one solo. There's a couple of times in the, in the history of the show you can tell where I really, really got mad at either Justin or Loisos because it was like they couldn't even string three words together without an um pause. And I would cut them all out and I would paste them all into their own separate track and then put it at the end of the show. So there's oh just like two straight um, minutes of uh, ums uh, at the end of the uh, show. Uh. <laughs> if anybody ever wondered why I did, why those, because I was just so mad that I had to do all that work in the first place. Because all of them were that kind of um, pause, um, where it would interrupt the flow of the conversation. Yeah. And it oh, was see, really, really frustrating. Those made me uncomfortable because it was like, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? What am I listening? I can't. I have to skip past this. It's very monotone sex. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 yes. Uh, um, uh, um, um, uh, 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 um, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the worst sex ever. Oh, my. His name is Loy Sauce. His name is Loy Sauce. Yes, his name is Loy Sauce. His name is Loy Sauce. I need to isolate this as its own sound drop. The chronology of this series is a muddled, just clusterfuck on top of another clusterfuck sandwiched in between two slices of bread and covered with some spicy hot mustard. I've been being stalked lately, Nick, and I've been I've been being stalked by a guy who has been masquerading as a monkey. <laughs> he's been wearing either he's either a straight up adult gorilla, or he's a man wearing a monkey suit. And I see in the back seat of his car he's got a huge box of jerky gold <laughs> marinade jerky. Now I don't know if this guy is for real or not, but I just have to tell you this right now: I'm kind of scared. I've been debating on calling the police or not, but I swear to God, last night when I was driving home from the grocery store to get a couple beers, I looked in my rearview mirror and I looked like I saw a gorilla. I mean, a real gorilla driving this car. And then when I searched the back of the car after I got out later on that night, I saw jerky gold in the back. Now listen, Justin, I don't want to alarm you, but that was not a real gorilla. That was just a man in a suit. And more specifically, it was it was a man in a suit, and his name is Matt Parks. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so, so much for sticking around for another episode of the Epic Film Guys podcast. If you love us, if you like us, if you want more of the god of podcasting and his best friend, the Hobster. I haven't been late in 25 years. That guy, and he's not here to refute it. 
head over to Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a beautiful, wonderful, amazing five-star review. And when Loisos shaves his beard, which, again, he's contractually forbidden to do, we're going to sue him or something. I don't even know. Uh, we will send you chunks of Loisos' beard. <laughs> or just Loisos himself. Can we graduate back to just giving Loisos away to people again? I don't know. I feel like we got to like generate idea. some new reviews. I mean, I like the idea, but I mean, his pieces of his beard probably be a lot easier once we'll he removes him them. with his whole beard and then you can just have as much of it as you want you can have your way with it and then we'll just wait till it grows back a couple months and look at how quick it grew once quarantine started all we got to do is wait a couple months and ship him off somewhere else and you'll get a full loy sauce beard there it is right there there it is ladies and gentlemen but as we mentioned up in the earlier segment on the show there is a movie celebrating 25 years today as a recording day, a movie that is very important to both myself and Justin in terms of our friendship and in terms of this show, a movie that uh, we just even recently on the live stream for the cure talked about with our good friend Dave from the super movie brothers, Justin, what are we talking about, baby? In the third millennium, the world changed climate <laughs> Nations, all were in upheaval. The earth transformed into a poisonous, scorched desert known as the Cursed Earth. Millions of people crowded into a few megacities where roving bands of street savages created violence the justice system could not control. Law as we know it collapsed. From the decay arose a new order a society ruled by a new elite force. A force with the power to dispense both justice and punishment. They were the police, jury, and executioner all in one. They were the judges. Wow. In the future, Nick, one man is the law! And it's Sylvester fucking Stallone, baby. And prepare to be judged, motherfuckers, because it's time to talk 1995's Judge Dredd. Now, it will probably come up at some point during the review, but we're not really going to talk too much about the 2012 Dread 3D film with Carl Urban, which I am not a fan of. Justin is a fan of it. I'm a fan of it, but I'm going to say it right now. If you can't accept the fact that Nick and I both like this version of Dread better than the Carl Urban version, you're going to have a really hard time listening, so you might want to stop now. I, I like both, but I mean... I like, I like what they tried just, to do. Uh, I like what they tried to do with the Urban version, but it was a micro-budget movie, and you can't make a micro-budget movie in a Judge Dredd universe. It's too big of a universe to explore. And I'm not even saying Stallone's version does it perfectly either, because it, it leaves some things to be desired for sure. But it's just, I mean, it literally, like, if you remove Judge Dredd from that movie... It's it, like nothing fundamentally changes about the 2012 movie. It's still the same movie. 
I believe they called that movie The Raid. I've never seen The Raid, but I'm I'm told it's almost exactly the same. Not that they it's stole the good. idea, yeah. because they were both, you know, written at different, you know, pretty much the same time, and they were both in production at pretty much the same time, or whatever the case may be. But it's it's like the Judge Dread element of that movie. Like you could remove it, and the movie doesn't change. You can't, however, remove the Judge Dread element from the 1985 movie. Which because, is funny when you think about it. We might we might as well start off with that yeah. because so many people. I mean, obviously, when the movie was released, and I'm going to get into the backstory and the behind the scenes on that in a few moments. But when the movie was released, there was a very small minority of hardcore fans because the comic was really big in England. It wasn't huge in the states. When the movie came out, there were some fans that were like, "Well, he takes his helmet off," like you know, a, a quarter way through the movie and. He doesn't put it back on until the end for like five seconds and then he takes it off again. So they were upset because in the comics, the character never takes the helmet off. I get that. Totally cool. Really understand it. It's the same thing as a lot of fans that complain in every Spider-Man movie. Why does he take the fucking mask off so much? Guess what? Because the actor is contractually obligated to have his face shown for a certain period of time during the movie. So because he needs to make, you know, a career out of this thing. He's signing on to be Spider-Man. It's the same idea. When they made the Carl Urban version, everyone hailed it as a masterpiece just because Carl Urban didn't take the helmet off the entire movie. Totally different things here. We had a movie made with a gigantic fucking blockbuster action hero of the 90s and 80s, which is Sylvester Stallone, compared to a low-budget movie made with, which we all love. No one in the world can hate Carl Urban for any reason. He's so fucking awesome. Like, And he's a great dread in that movie. Um, but it's two completely different things. You know what I'm saying? So when this movie set out to be made, Nick, the interesting thing about it is that it was being made based on a comic book character, a very, like, not not very well-known comic book character in 1995. This is yep. This came out only a few weeks after Batman Forever crushed and fucking destroyed the box office. All you motherfuckers were going to McDonald's to get your Big Mac and grab your Riddler crystal glass, and you were all listening to Seal Kiss from a Rose on your radio every single day. Batman ruled the box office that entire summer. So I don't know if the studio at the time... Uh, you know, this was Synergy actually thought about that. Like, oh, we're going to release a comic book movie and market it and release it literally two weeks after Batman, a new Batman movie comes out. Um, but it, it was it was not destined to be successful, if you will. But the backstory of this movie is interesting because the original concept was to create an action adventure slash comedy fun movie blockbuster um pg-13 now we know nick as we're sitting down to talk about this movie that ain't the movie we got and and there is a huge backstory on the the trials and tribulations this film went through just to get the r rating that it did get now um before we go into the behind the scenes the the backstory what this movie's about and dig in deep as we always do, this is customary on the Epic Film Guys podcast. Nick, do you remember the first time you saw Judge Dredd? Oh, my Lord. I know if you I, had to dig in deep. I got it on VHS. I, I know that. I know I had it on VHS. I didn't see it in theaters. I, I, I can't lay claim to having, having seen it in theaters. But 
I I know I saw this on VHS and I'm pretty sure that I, once upon a time, like ages and ages upon ages ago, like I did what everybody else did back in the day. You know, everybody would have that two VCR hookup where they rented the tape. They went down to Video King or Blockbuster or Hollywood Video, whatever chain you had locally, and you rented the tape, and you had your VCR hooked up to the other VCR. You put a fresh six-hour VHS tape in there, and you'd put whatever movie you rented in the in the VHS. Mm, I could, I, when, when you just did that motion, I could hear the snap sound. Get that little yep. thing going, oh, the tape going God, in. I love it. Ooh, but, yeah. You'd work, I, would, I would do that, and, you know, a lot of people did that, where you would, you know, you'd rent the movie, and then you would make a very legal copy of it for, for, your, <laughs> for yourself. You know, I used to have a VHS that had Judge Dredd and batman forever oh my god on it and i used to watch both of them all the time it it had to have probably been like 96 97 i know i didn't see it when it came out in theaters and back then things didn't hit vhs for like ages it was was like it was almost like i think technically rule of thumb was like eight to nine months roughly usually depending on the title depending on if they wanted to rush it for holidays or whatever because that's right 100 percent. there were no special features or what i mean granted this was back in like the very very early like early dvd probably like but it wasn't Uh, yeah dvd was the late 90s yeah so probably even a little bit pre-dvd so i mean nobody was like rushing probably to get this thing out versus like a batman forever which definitely probably was on store shelves by christmas i think it was anyway it definitely was one because i definitely had it for christmas so but yeah they, they, they rushed that for me at least um and i know i've told this i say it about a lot of movies i saw this movie nick in the same theater that you watch movies in now when you go to the theater when they're open it was amc lowe's festival and I did not pay for a ticket to see Judge Dredd. I paid for a ticket to see something else because Judge Dredd was rated R. And at that time, I remember, like, kids these days, they don't know. They don't know the struggle of trying to get into an R-rated movie. I remember trying to get in. Nope. ID. ID. It was like back like when you were trying to buy a fucking Rage Against the Machine album or something. Oh, parental advisory on there? ID. They wouldn't let you win. They wouldn't let you buy it. So I actually paid for a ticket for something else and stuck in and i watched judge dread within the first week of its release in a totally empty theater wow yeah there was like literally nobody in there and i mean this movie 100 million dollar budget 34.7 million is what it made in north american domestic box office receipts but for me nick i watched this movie loved stallone was a huge stallone fan I was so excited. Do you remember, Nick, the Coconuts music and movie store that used oh, to yeah. be right next to AMC? Well, after the movie it's ended, my... It? No, it's like... gone. It's been gone. Yeah, it's been know. gone. Coconuts went out of business. Uh, yeah. FYE, it was the same company. They ate it up. and So my grandmother gave me $20. I didn't buy any popcorn or any candy or anything during the movie. So after the movie, I went to Coconuts. And bro, they actually had Judge Dredd shirts there. And I bought one after the movie because I was so excited. I was so pumped about it. Now, granted, it wasn't Stallone Judge Dredd. It was like the comic version. It just said Judge Dredd and it had him with holding a gun on it or whatever. So that just goes to show there was some marketing for this movie. It was out there. However, it was horribly mismarketed because this movie was rated R and it was supposed to be a comic book movie. And we know that now 
that's a an okay thing to have, depending on your title, if you're a Deadpool or a Sin City or something of the like. But back then, if you were trying to have a successful big action blockbuster comic book movie rated R, it just was not a thing. And it, and it showed the movie ended up making 113 something million worldwide. So it did OK internationally, but on a hundred million dollar budget, that's a failure in every way, shape and form. Yep. So for those of you not aware of what Judge Dredd is, I'm going to go with the IMDb listing for the description because our good old voice sauce, who likes to explain the movie throughout the entire review, um, is not here. So I'm going to do it the half-assed, lazy way. In a dystopian future, Joseph Judge Dredd, the most famous judge, a police officer with an instant field judiciary power, is convicted for a crime he did not commit and must face his murderous counterpart. Yep, that guess that pretty much sums it up. So, Nick, I'm going to throw it to you here because... We've already talked about this movie in person as friends. I don't even remember the first time at work, but it's been enough. So we're finally here. Let's hear it. What What are your initial feelings on this movie? I mean, everybody knows I adore this movie. Beyond words. I love Stallone in this movie. Diane Lane in this movie is just on fire armand desante is menacing enough choose a lot of scenery not necessarily the best performance he has a giant fucking robot that they actually built for real like that's one of the things when you think about this movie that's one of the reasons why i love this movie so much is because they did and built so much of this practically they did so much of this shit for real these sets costumes the fucking motorcycles all this shit was so well designed and yes it has rob schneider in it as fergie imagine (laughs) they wanted joe pesci to play fergie could you imagine this movie with joe pesci in it to be honest with you i actually can um I wish we would have gotten that movie. I mean, well, I, 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 Rob Schneider, seeing, like, yeah. is as, as much as as much as I love this movie, and as much as I like, I laugh at some of the lines that he does, and like the one scene when he makes fun of Stallone, he's like, "I am the lure," like you know, like he has a couple of funnier moments in it. But by and large, why are you taking his clothes off? We don't have time for this. I mean, Stallone just they, gives they, him that weird ass look. They yeah. write some good. They write some good. They write some good one liners. I, I think that the, if this film has a severe weakness, I mean, aside from its plot, which is a little weird, but we'll talk about that. But you know, I I think that Schneider is by far the weakest part of the film, but he doesn't one hundred percent doesn't dude. detract from the from the overall experience of the film to me because it's got kick ass action set pieces, it's got tons of great practical effects work. And it's just, it's so much fucking fun. It's just it so much fun. fun. And it's, if if nothing else, the script is just a fucking whiz bang, just package smashed full of so many fucking one-liners delivered with the grisliest voice he can possibly muster from Stallone every time the character speaks, which Go ahead and tell me that that's not what Urban does in the 2012 film, too, because he does the exact same thing. <laughs> well, even the writer, even the creator of Judge Dredd, like the comic, when when asked about this movie, 
um, in interviews, like a few years after it came out, he, he was frustrated by the story they came up with. But he said the most frustrating thing is they had the perfect guy to play the character with Stallone. And I think he is the perfect guy to play the character. He's having fun with this. He's not phoning it in. We might as well start with, with Stallone here because we're going to go down the characters and everything. But um, I think Stallone's good in this. He's I mean, so good. He's so unfortunately, fucking good. Unfortunately, this is part of the period in his career where he was doing movies with studios that were unloading shitloads of money. Demolition Man, Cliffhanger, this, The Specialist, and none of these movies, Nick, none of these movies were gigantic hits. This was the period, like, in the halfway through Mark in the 90s, when Arnold and Sly, you know, this is post-True Lies, their movies started to dip. And audiences were, like, okay with going to seeing action movies where the action hero wasn't, like, buff and muscular and what they were in the 80s. They were okay with seeing, like, a Nicolas Cage or, you know, you name it. Other random people were just showing up and being action heroes that weren't usually within that realm. Yeah, it so, wasn't it wasn't the 80s anymore. No, it wasn't. And, but I think Stallone, he cared about this project. You could tell he was putting his full effort. And as always, as we talked about with our Cobra discussion with our Canon Quarantine Cobra episode, he had a lot. And I mean, a lot of creative say with this thing. I mean, the way this movie was cut and edited in the end. Uh, led the director Danny Cannon. This was the, keep in mind this was his first big movie. It led him to say, "I'll never work with a big actor again." And since this fucking movie, uh, the only thing of note that I can be reminded of is I still know what you did last summer, a sequel to one of my favorite '90s slashers. But other than that, he's done all television. He's he's never done another big budget action movie or big blockbuster or anything like that since this so this movie kind of scarred him for life but he is also the man that is responsible for changing this movie so i have to mention this now writer steve e de souza wrote this movie he wrote the screenplay this movie was written to be a pg-13 action adventure comedy comic book movie this movie started out, the studio agreed to make it, they gave him $100 million, Burger King put money into this movie for a, like a, a kid's meal tie-in. Kenner, which was known for making all the Batman movie action figures, they made the figures for Robin Hood, all the movies back then, Star Wars, if you were, had a big movie coming out and Kenner was making your figures, that was a big deal. They put money into this movie, figure sculpts were just recently surfaced, like within the last six months. People have been wondering forever. They finally surfaced. We saw what they looked like. This movie, when it got sent to the MPAA, Nick, got an X rating three times in a row after so many cuts. This movie was never meant to be an R-rated movie. The writer wrote it to be a profitable motion picture. And when he went to go see... The dailies of this thing, he was in fucking horror watching the screen like, we're never going to get this movie past the MPAA. Now, Nick, I don't know what you think about this. I didn't realize this until I listened to his commentary on the In Search of the Last Action Heroes documentary. Thank you very much for providing that interview, by the way. Um, he mentioned that 
they said to him, we'll get through, we'll be fine, we'll get PG-13 because all the squib hits with all the bullet holes are all dry. There's no blood coming out. So they thought because every single time someone got shot, because there was no blood pour- pouring out of their fucking squibs, <laughs> that they'd actually get a PG-13 rating. I'm like, dude, the opening scene, Judge Dredd comes in and he blows away like fucking 20 dudes like <laughs> in murderous fashion. And you see holes bumping out of their chest and they're flying all over the place. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that sure is PG-13 material. Court's adjourned. But this movie was never going. I mean, again, when you no, look at this, it, 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 when you watch this movie, I mean, it just kind of take it from there. There's no way when you watch this movie, like where could you have possibly made cuts to this movie to possibly get it to a PG-13 rating? And they cut it. They cut it literally like, like apparently six times. You would have had to even- cut so, so much more out of this movie to try to get it even to PG-13. Like it would have been like 17 minutes long. <laughs> Dude, the movie's only 96 minutes as it is, so they did cut it the fuck down, majorly, but I think like I think the second to last cut, Stallone wanted to cut it even further to make it PG-13, and they're basically like, no, we're not going to do anything more with it, this is what we're going to have, we're going to do this, and the whole marketing idea for this movie didn't work with what the movie was, like all the ads and the paper and stuff like that, and magazines, they all used like a comic book style like pictures of stallone with like a bubble over his head and stuff to make kids think oh it's a comic book movie but none of those kids could go see the movie so it it, again it was a failure from the beginning there was so many different things that were a part of why this movie failed that it's oh so sad for me but stallone as the first piece of the puzzle i think works great i think he looks amazing in the costume the costume is fucking beautiful oh my god those costumes yeah i mean he got he, he got versace to come in he was friends with them he got them to come in and got their team to come in and and, and create all the costumes and they are all beautiful gorgeous I mean, costume work even now looking at it now and in, in 2020 eyes you're like man you don't see costume design like that anymore that's why i can't that's why like again when i say why i love this movie like these are the reasons why it's all parts of a whole like all of the great elements in this film, they overshadow the shittiness of Fergie and the shakiness of the script to me. Like the production design, like the set work that they did in this movie, like this actually, and, and the problem that I always, you know, I don't want to keep bringing up the 2012 film, but I don't feel like in that movie, like it's a mega city. Like I don't feel the overcrowding and like the thing that James Earl Jones talks about in the prologue. I don't feel that in in like the 2012 movie like that there's 800 million people living in this tiny square area you know like in this movie i feel like it's like ridiculously overcrowded like there's just literally people like crammed in everywhere like i feel that i feel the 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 squalor and the and the and the poverty and everything and the desperation in in all the people like you know it like i said it's it's definitely not a perfect movie but i think the pieces are here I think the pieces are most definitely here, you know, and I think, you know, if, if you want to, you know, get into it, I know that, you know, Danny Cannon's on record for wanting this film to have a more satirical approach. Uh, he does. To yeah, it. He wanted it to be but like a satire, elements of yeah. satire. Definitely in the film, especially when you take dreads actions early in the film, like he sentences Fergie, who's, you know, just in a food droid, eat recycled food. 
it's good for the environment and okay for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like he, he like what they're and there's a thing like when the guy like whatever the one guy with the with the fancy car is like double parked and they blow up his fucking car. Like that satire is in there that you know, and it's it runs through the film when you know you have Max von Sydow as as Justice Fargo. When he shows up with, you know, the law, the book of the law and, you know, talking about justice being blind and we never should have taken justice out of our hands. And, you know, when he talks about, you know, the the corruption that's kind of overrun, even the judges and everything and about you see the imperfections in that system and about how it itself has gone too far. Like, you know, the justice system as it was collapsed, but has a worse justice system replaced it. Those elements are there. They're definitely there within this film, and they're by far the best parts of this film because, like I said, you see, like, he he, he messed with a droid and he gets five years, you know, and that's because they, 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 they assigned him to live. The only reason he was there is because he was assigned to live in this place where there were, like, ten dudes starting a block war. Like he walks into the place where he's supposed to live and they're all just sitting there with like massive assault weapons and shit, you know, yeah, it just goes to show. I mean, I actually love the opening of this movie there and I wanted to touch on that real to this quick script. I mean, I know it's like I said, it's not perfect. And, and we'll talk about Rico and we'll talk about the whole the Genesis. Jan- yeah, the, the Janus Janus project. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. talk about all that shit because that's where this film gets really shaky. But it's I that there is some depth here if if you're if but i think people see the silly one-liners and they see rob fucking schneider rob fucking let's schneider. just face it that's what they see and, and, you know and they, and they and they hang everything on this movie <laughs> on or armand desante going you know, yeah, I, that, I, that's I get it. The entire I movie. get it. There are very, very cigars. scenery, chewy elements to this movie, but I would, I would contend that these are the kind of things that people give a pass to in other movies, modern movies, like comic book blockbusters nowadays. How much cheese is packed into the modern comic book blockbuster, like the cheese that you see in this movie? Tons of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Tons of it. I mean, again, the movie's only 96 minutes. We don't know how much they cut the movie down from what it was originally. Back then, it was very smart business to do a movie less than two hours because, you know, you can get more showings within the day. They still do that today, even though more comic book movies have gotten to like the two and a half hour mark, maybe around that. Um so we'll never know if there is an uncut version of this movie that's available. I doubt they'd ever release it because Disney now owns the rights and they own the distribution. So we will never see anything to do with that. But I have to touch on the opening of the movie. I love the opening of the movie, except for so we start off and the movie really sets the stage. It's really exciting. Number one, it's like, yo, dude, pre-Marvel and it's going through judge dread comic strips flipping through them so marvel wasn't the first to do that with their logo and then when dc ripped them off and tried to do the same thing they weren't the first one to do it or second one judge dread did it first it's like yo this is a comic book movie and there is no denying the fact that alan silvestri's score and his main theme for this movie is so amazing and upbeat and heroic oh my god it gives me goosebumps dude 
It's so amazing. So the movie opens up, and yes, the movie opens with Fergie getting out of prison. So you're like, okay, whatever. Um, not yeah, action. He's, he's your audience surrogate. That's sadly. right, one hundred percent. That's what we're stuck with. So when you go into this movie, you're like, okay, it is 1995. They're trying to push Rob Schneider. He got the job. That's what they were doing at this point. And when you when you mentioned the whole thing about they wanted Joe Pesci, he did that in Lethal Weapon. They wanted someone there to provide comedy relief yep. to the audience. But he goes to where his required home is because he got out of prison. And um, there is a shootout. And I just love the introduction of Stallone's Judge Dredd. It was definitely the right way to do it. There's a shootout. The judges there on site can't handle it, including Barbara Hershey. And then here comes Judge Dredd. And that shot of him going through the flames in slow-mo. And then he yep. stops his fucking bike, the boot down, the close-up on the boot, and then like the zoom up his whole body. Him standing there with his arms crossed, you know, like on his hips or whatever. And it's immediately first line out of his fucking mouth I is and you're like dude, i don't know what it is maybe it's nostalgia to me dude, i don't know but incredible. it's so fucking I don't give awesome a shit. it's so great i don't give a shit either like anyone that watches this and they're like this is so bad i don't i i can't understand your mindset here it's awesome it's exciting everyone loves stallone people consider this like his worst movie and i'm like Bro, dude, there's so many other movies. Wait, Rhinestone, maybe? Go watch that shit. Go watch Paradise Alley. How is this his worst movie? You know, I like that the opening action sequence is very good. It also um, introduces the fact that the, the guns that they carry, the judges, what kid wouldn't want this? Where it's voice activated and you can, you can change the function of the gun to different shooting styles and different weapons. Which is great. I still love that. It's amazing. And the way that it's shot is so energetic. I just, I absolutely love the opening of this movie. Yeah, I love the opening of this movie. I love even like the kind of continued action of this movie. And I mean, to kind of segue into the plot and to kind of segue into Armand DeSante as Rico, who we later learn in the movie is... Sylvester Stallone's clone brother, which, I mean, again, the plot of this movie is not the greatest when you get down into the back end of it, but like the initial plot, like the initial plot, like wanting to overthrow the Department of Justice, the Hall of Justice, I guess it's called, wanting to overthrow the Hall of Justice and get rid of the, you know, established Council of Judges and you know, put Rico in, in a position where he can be in charge is great. I mean, it's a very, very simple setup. It's great. It still makes no fucking sense to me why the guns that are in Rico's room only have voice recognition. Like, why don't these motherfucking things have, like, cameras that they can see shit with? Especially when you're in the future and you're like 20. I think it's the year is supposed to be 2080. Like the most hackneyed, yeah. dumbass bullshit like, that they can contrive to just get Rico out of prison really quickly. Like, oh, of course the guns don't recognize the sound of his voice. It's like, what? They can't just look at the room before they just start blowing something away. Also, like, um, <sighs> not to go off on a tangent here, but you're mentioning the plot and the villain. And uh, I don't know if you saw it, but a little movie called Demolition Man. Yeah, very similar plot with the villain and government trying to overthrow the current. <laughs> I mean, it's almost the exact same thing. Hey, let's use this bad guy to our advantage. 
I guess that was the cool thing to do in Stallone movies at the time. I, but... I, I really don't know. But I mean, yeah. like the initial setup for the plot, like once it gets into, oh, they're trying to bring back this weird cloning program, which I mean, it, it, the, the, the biggest problem with it is, is you can't even connect like the logical threads to it. Like you have Jurgen Prock now as, as Griffin. What is even Griffin's plan? Like Griffin's plan is just to like grow a whole bunch of Judge Dreads, basically, or Judge Ricos, or whatever. Well, you don't really understand his motivation. Like, no, why is he so enthusiastic about why this? they want to do whatever? Like, he just wants to be. He seems like he just wants to be the chief justice, but then when he even gets to be the chief justice, like he still has Rico, like create chaos in the city, so that way he can get the cloning program opened up but he just wants to make like the same type of clones that you know like but it doesn't make any sense to me like why does he want to create more of these clones it 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 literally doesn't make any sense why he wants to do that like if it had just been rico like if rico had just like used him like and as soon as dread and fargo were sent away if rico just like mows down the whole council of judges that scene comes way too late in the film in my opinion it comes way 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 too late like that scene needs to come like as soon as rico gets back to mega city one and gets rid of dread and then they and then they take over like literally the next scene should be rico mowing down the council of judges like get rid of the cloning stuff the cloning stuff is just so fucking stupid well you know why it's there right because that was right when i think that correct me if i'm wrong i think that was when they like scientists cloned their uh, for, like a goat or something. It was like Dolly the sheep. I think was I think or I think sheep. Was that's it. what it was. Okay, I remember. Yeah, I, th- it I, th- I, th- so- I think you're right. So yeah, of course it was the hot sci-fi. It's the same way like computer hacking was like a big thing. Like remember how like you know in the 80s and early 90s like computer hacking was just as simple as just typing like a couple of keys on a keyboard and all of a sudden you were a master hacker. Like it was yeah it was it was the hot sci-fi kind of kind of uh thing so of course you have to have cloning in there but yeah like it like i said it doesn't make any rico's plan even with the cloning makes sense like he wants to use like the thing himself and create like an army of himself fine okay i can buy that even more but i mean again the whole cloning thing is stupid like him his motivation of just wanting to like get vengeance on dread for imprisoning it's a typical him. revenge villain motive and and, and literally like Plain all he simple. wants to do all dread cares about is the law so all rico's motivation needs to be is to destroy the law to destroy the thing that dread cares about but then they add all this cloning bullshit in there on top of it. It doesn't it, it doesn't need to be in the movie. You could tighten this movie up by probably another 10 minutes if you cut out the entire cloning subplot of this now, movie. Now, see, I, I don't know. I, I don't think the cloning stuff has anything to do with the comics either. I'm pretty positive that Judge Dredd is not a clone. Um, and then they and add that weird... That's the other thing. It's like, I mean, I know they needed they needed to write this. Here's the thing. I feel like they wrote the plot point of it's Rico, not Dredd, that kills the reporter. And that's what gets Dread convicted. And I then think when they, they did the thing with the guns, they, with had the, to write, yeah. they had to write everything else backwards right their way to around that point it. to make it work logically. I think that that's really what they did in this movie because nothing else really makes sense. If you look at it, I love that courtroom <laughs> scene, by the way. I don't care. I love that courtroom scene. When they when they when they confront him with the evidence and he's like, I never broke the law. I am the law. <laughs> I love it, too. And the, love it. the production design. Uh, I mean, we have to we have to shout that out real quick. I mean, that is one of the best things. Nigel Phelps, who actually was in the art department on Batman 89. And then after this movie went on to doing a lot of big movies. He was the guy that made this movie look so good. Mega City one. 
definitely follows suit in what was considered like the in way to look at you know dystopian futuristic yep. cities it's very blade runner-esque we had seen it already even as far as in the, the super mario brothers movie um yeah. but here it's 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 like it's like los angeles city on steroids super metallic like lots of bold super like hard steel structures and very industrial look but i really really like the way the city looks um Again, you, actually watch it, you you believe it too. It's kind of its own character in the movie because you believe that it's run down. You believe that it's overcrowded, that it's filled with poverty and crime. Like it really looks and feels like that throughout the entire movie. It has that feeling. Well, they built a whole city street. Yeah. I mean, they, they built which is that. great. Like I said, that's yeah. that's that's the great thing about it is like this actually does feel like a, a microcosm of this world as as far as we as far as we get to experience it. Yeah, I mean. Again, it takes note from movies that came before it. You know, The Fifth Element did the same thing and just like built upon that as well. But it still looks really great. And when you look at the behind the scenes footage of the movie, um, strangely enough, thank you, Disney, on the Blu-ray that you guys put out. They actually provided the old vintage behind the scenes featurette. Um, where they showed what what it, them building the sets and everything, it was actually. I mean, this production was huge, a hundred million dollar yeah. production, Nick. Well, it's so like the I movie, said, like, when you watch it, it, you can see where the money went. The sets yeah. are beautiful; the they're stunningly and, the produced. Sets and, and like I said, like those lawbringers, the the motorcycles, they built those goddamn things. They were real, like they weren't just like motorcycles that they just slapped a plastic box over and called. They, they actually <laughs> built those things. <laughs> You know, yeah, it, it, the same way that they would have built the Batmobile in 1989. You know, I mean, they really went all out for this movie. Yeah. That's you can tell where the effort was. This week in epic film history. Oh, I wish everyone could see the video because both of you have my books out, and it's like, wow, it's, it's awesome. Books, Thank you. Books out for Emily Porkchop. <laughs> We are literally yeah. stroking her ego while she's sitting here. I know it's it's very awkward. We're I'm fanning not her. To... We're fanning her with the pages of her own book. <laughs> like <laughs> if she had well, like you know, two the like, worst thing... palm leaves or something on a but instead of palm leaves, it would just be copies of the story behind it. We'd just be like, oh my gosh, please, please don't do that <laughs> because I know exactly where all the typos are, and I would just hone in on them specifically. <laughs> The first thought that came into my mind that I posted to my Facebook account the morning after seeing Legend of Tarzan was when your lead actor thought he was signing up for a Tarzan-themed photo shoot for Playgirl and not a role in a feature-length motion picture that required actual <laughs> acting ability. I'm sure you enjoyed the what the part where they made a joke about him sucking the ape's balls, right? No. That, that was very strange. That was a thing. I, that was a thing. There was a joke about him sucking a, a gorilla's cock. That's for real. Like... Am I wrong? Did I miss that? <laughs> no, that's in, that's in the film. Who was this movie made for? Exactly. Is there someone out there that wants to see Samuel L. Jackson suck a gorilla's dick? A CGI gorilla's dick? I don't know. And mainly, I'm thankful for the fact that I found my girlfriend, the love of my life, through podcasting. Hi, Bobby. Yes. Yes. Uh, Warner Brothers, would you like a script that will make you uh, tens of dollars? Uh, here you go. <laughs> Two podcasters meet, and they start dating. I'd, I'd watch it. Figure will it the out. Per, will the portrayal of podcasting in the movie be more accurate than in Halloween 2018? Uh, probably. Where I probably cause... seriously dropped a, like a half of a star rating off of it because they had a microphone like 
10 feet away from Jamie Lee Curtis and that was their podcast interview and I'm like that audio would sound so bad no one would <laughs> listen to this <laughs> that is the problem with trying to, to pander or create something for podcasters if you get something wrong we will tell you about it, about it until next Thursday thank you very much for listening film fans and I will see you at the movies Itself, yep, you, you can definitely pinpoint the problems with it. And I do believe that this movie did not need an audience surrogate. It did not need a comedic counterpart. No. It did not need a sidekick, and especially Rob Schneider. And I don't hate Rob Schneider. I get it. He, he, he did a lot of bad movies. Uh, he's not really very well regarded in the comedy world right now. This was, also, this was the mid-90s, though. Rob Schneider was not rob schneider that he is today like this wasn't you know he made like a whole bunch of bad movies in like the late 90s and early 2000s and is reviled for being rob schneider these days but like back in like the mid 90s like you like i said this movie in the in the early 90s and stuff like he was coming off of snl like he was still hot like you know he was he, he was he was in your favorite movie of all time home alone 2 lost in new york God damn i know it. how you're excited you are to watch that movie again when christmas hits this year i mean 4k ultra hd <laughs> God damn it! But they—they they, they mean whoever took this role, they have—they have funny lines to say. So the movie is so fast-paced and so quick to get to the point. So the movie opens. You're introduced to Judge Dredd. You see what he's all about. So he jails he, Fergie, and then he's instantly framed. There's not much time to develop his no. relationship with Judge Hershey. Um, Almost Diane none, is, which is a shame because Diane Lane is great in this movie and she really gets nothing to do. She's great. And again, I'm going to be a male chauvinist here. She's a total fucking babe. In this. She's that so outfit. Oh, God. Gorgeous in this how movie. gorgeous Ooh. was was. I mean, she's still gorgeous now, um, but how gorgeous was mid 90s Diane Lane? I mean, she's oh, just absolutely man. stunning. Man, it's not just, just it's, listen, it's not just her either, because like she's in great shape in this movie. You can tell like she really, really looks great. But so does Stallone. Stallone looks fucking incredible. Oh, dude, in this his mid 90s shape, his mid 90s, yeah, shape, that mid 90s I mean, fucking it, shape, man. Like he is fucking just. Well, you up, do, well, dude. <laughs> I told Danielle because Danielle has never seen this movie. So my wife sat down with me and watched like the last 40 minutes and she started laughing. And I was like, what are you laughing that he's doing a lat spread? pose the entire whenever he's wearing just a normal shirt he's doing like a fucking he's posing he's standing with his chest out and his, his back out and everything but i'm like he looks great so it doesn't matter 
those tight outfits look really good. His 90s physique is amazing. Perfect for the movie. Weird thing. And I never really noticed this until I watched the movie tonight. So I guess that's how big of a fan I am. Um, He's wearing some really fucking weird blue contacts in this movie. Yeah, he's got very, very blue eyes. Yeah. So they could match Max von Sydow's eyes because he's his surrogate father. I, for some reason, never really noticed that before because I'd only watched the movie on like DVD and VHS. But when I watched it, I'm like, dude, his eyes are fucking like piercing blue. And I know, you know, I know from meeting Sylvester Stallone and being in Creed 2 that his eyes aren't like a piercing blue color. So um, very interesting, to say the least. Yeah, I just, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I just, I don't care about, I just, when I rewatch this movie, and I've rewatched this movie so many times, like a stupid amount of times, guys. I mean, there's probably a list of movies, like 10 most rewatches in, in history. This has got to be top 10 somewhere for me. I've seen this movie probably hundreds of times. I love this movie. Uh, I, I like, this was one of those movies that like, I made me love movies even more. Like we, we talked about before, you know, how Batman 89 was really the movie that kind of made both of us really fall in love with movies as a concept and like, as an idea, like all that, like this was one of those movies that only kind of furthered that. Cause even with its bad elements, even with the, even with the cheesy elements, like it's such a beautiful movie. I love the way this movie shot. I love most of the performances in this movie and I just I see I I just see the good in it and I think w- with movies like this I think a lot of it too is I just I see the potential in the movie and I see kind of the the forgotten untapped potential in this movie you know where there was so so much in it yeah and it I mean, just, you, 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 yeah, you can. I mean, you can see where it could have been, and that's why I go back to what I said earlier. Like, who knows if there is like a longer cut of this movie that's even out there? Like, they cut the movie like apparently, God, like I, I said, four to five times. You know, it was intended to be one thing, and the director said, "Fuck." And who knows why he wanted to take the subject material and say, "Now I'm going to make this like a hard R." Probably because the comic was a lot harder edged and a lot more violent. Um, but this movie has so many cool elements to it, even, you know, on top of the, what we talked about before. But I think we, Armand Asante is a villain. He really is. We, we like, we like to bag on villains on this show because it's one of the things that we are, it's very important to the epic film guys is you have to have a good villain to be able to match out your hero. And Rico's, I mean, for me, as much as I like this movie, He's a, the weakest villain you could get. He he has very little screen time. He does very little. I think the coolest thing he does when is when he kills people. Um, and even then, when he does kill people, it doesn't really it, it doesn't have that big of an impact. But the coolest thing that he does is when he goes to a pawn shop and he grabs that beautiful, amazing ABC Warrior robot. Fucking love that, that thing, man! Is like the coolest design robot I think in the nineties. Legit. Dude, and it apparently took nine men, animatronic engineers, to make this thing work at the same time. I watched it again tonight on my fucking OLED, and I could not tell you where there were seams or where the wires connected that would make the thing work. It just looked like a real robot, dude. It looked built, rusted, real. Yeah. And 
there's just like a craftsmanship to Again, this thing. Again, it goes back to what we talked about with the production of this movie. They built that goddamn thing for real. Like, it's not a real working robot. Like, that whole thing is practical. Like, they actually built, like, that whole robot to scale and, like, had it on, like, just... I they mean, would never do that now. That's ever. Just, that, yeah, that, that thing would 100% be CGI in, in a movie like this today. It looks amazing. Like, I kind of question how effective it would be because it's so goddamn slow and clunky and they don't really McClunky. They don't really have it doing like anything in the movie that, you know, it like it, it, it gets in these situations where it like is able to get people or whatever, but I'm just like, but how it's so slow and lumbering, like, cause it was meant to just like be like, it's a, it's a tank basically, you know, it's yeah. just a walking and, like and has, humanoid and, yeah. looking tank. Like it's covered with like massive amounts of guns and firepower and whatever, like, so those I I don't necessarily like the way that the script uses it, which again goes back to the script being the problem in the film. Because I, again, I think Armand Desante he chews scenery as Rico. I think he's good as Rico. I just don't think the script gives him anything to do, and it sadly it well, sidelines him with almost all of this cloning plot, which is terrible across yeah, the board. Terrible. He's no Simon Phoenix from Demolition Man. Wesley Snipes in that movie gave a super memorable, I would even go as far as saying an iconic 90s movie villain. This is a comic book movie. Rico is literally like a generic bad guy. He has nothing memorable to do when you're trying to create a franchise. And I'm sure Dredd has, again, I don't read the comics, so I don't know. I'm sure Dredd has plenty of of super oh, yeah. colorful, amazing villains that he'd be able to go up against. They just chose, like, this guy that looks kind of like him and is basically, like, a, a physical foe that matches him in every way. That's literally all you gave us. And he has very little to do in the movie, if anything at all. So, I mean, to, to touch on the way the movie moves on from there, so Judge Dredd gets sentenced to life in prison. And as you were about to say, Fargo assists in that by exiting the panel, the board or whatever, and he'll be walking the cursed earth. And while they're in the plane on the way to the prison, <laughs> yeah, baby, the legendary angel family, <laughs> a group of cannibals shoot that shit down. And then of course we have them, we have strung up Fergie and Judge Dredd in a room with a bunch of redneck, crazy religious cannibals. It's one of your favorite scenes, and like I know it is. Cursed Earth scumbags. <laughs> Pirate scavengers, and of course, scumbags. Dude, Mean Machine is another amazing makeup job and character design in this thing yep. you, you, you twist the dial on his head and he he goes wild and gets crazy i just love such an amazing makeup job in this movie so this is just an excuse to let them get loose from the plane um i love how when they're on the plane and the angel family only shoots like one shot up through the plane it kills like one of the 
the guards. And then that guard, like, just happens to hold his gun towards the pilots and shoots them as yeah, he's falling it's, it's, down. It's to one his of those death. ridiculous movie <laughs> contrivances. Like, well, we've got to have a way to knock this thing out of the sky. Like, you can't just have the crash kill them and, and like, that be enough. No, he has to get shot and then immediately pulls the trigger and just wildly <laughs> sprays, like, and murders everything else on board. Pretty much. That- that's what happens, and they crash, and you don't see anyone else walking around. It's just Dread and just Fergie um, when they meet the Angel family. But, but I like this scene because there's a horror element to this movie. This reminds me of like some straight up the hills have eyes shit, which again does not lend itself at all to being like a family friendly adventure PG thirteen movie. Um, we get some great makeup jobs on these guys. They're super sadistic and they just want to eat these fuckers and they know who Judge Dredd is. The and mythic you nature of killed my paw. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and of course, Dredd takes him out with little to no effort, but is saved by Judge Fargo because he comes in and saves the day. And then, of course, Five fucking minutes later, they're already, like, close enough back to the city wall to try to get back in, and they're trying to go in through these tunnels, which are filled with immense flames, what is it, every 60 seconds. It's every 30, so, I think. Uh, 30, yeah. So they have to try to run through them, and that gives us a little action sequence that is pretty cool. I think it's pretty good. I love the concept. I love the idea. I love the visual of it. I'm pretty sure. So- I'm pretty sure during that scene as well, Rob Schneider got burned, but Stallone didn't because they gave Stallone like a flame retardant gel, like they covered him in it, but Schneider didn't get any. So Schneider. Oh my got, god. Schneider got burned a little bit, I think, by the flames. I think I remember reading that somewhere. Somebody mentioned that to me or something at that's, one point. That's semi hilarious to me. Because this is like his first big... I mean, I don't think he did another action movie after this. is like his only thing. No, wait, never mind. He was in Demolition Man before this. So that's how he got the job. Hey, Sly, can I be in your next movie? Haven't you ever had a friend? Yes. Once. Then he walks away. I want to know what happened. I judged him. <laughs> walks away. <laughs> and that, that scene's all of like three minutes. Ah... <laughs> uh... <laughs> from there though the action ramps up immediately as fergie and judge dread are immediately you don't know how they even get back in there they're immediately already back in the locker room uh and the judge fucking whatever one of the is. dumbest scenes i swear whoever whoever wrote this movie must have written american ninja from last week as well because it literally features rob schneider doing exactly the same thing that the female was doing in the film last week where they're trying to hide they're trying to not be noticed and he's literally like they're walking through the hall of justice where there's judges walking around everywhere and he just keeps going dread dread hey dread dread like he just keeps yelling his name at him and dread's like shut up you fucking idiot like (sighs) see that would have been the moment where like the judge read from the comics probably would have just knocked his fucking ass out. Cause why do you even need this guy anymore? He's already free. He's there. He can go walk out the fucking door. You don't even need him for anything. He doesn't need you for anything. He, he's back. He's through the tunnel. At that point, you should just go s- split your own way and go, okay, whatever, dude, we're good. I don't need to be your sidekick anymore. But of course the movie requires him to be there. So he is. And we know later on what happens. The fact that he's like a computer whiz hacker, like 
uh, expert in machines helps out a lot with that ABC robot. But what I love about this is it, it leads to a very quick confrontation with Rico and Dread, which ends very quickly. But then I, it gives what I think is the best action sequence of the movie, which is the air chase sequence. I like the air chase. I, the air chase is one of those things about the movie I don't think it's aged as well because the blue screen elements, the green screen elements are really obvious. It's still it's still really good. Like I still really enjoy it. And I again love those practical effects. Like they put actors in front of green screens and they shot this shit for real. Like it, I I still like it. But I mean, as opposed to the rest of the movie, like you mentioned earlier, like looking at the costumes or their production design or whatever, you can still make that those parts of the movie today. And it, like movies today don't put that much effort in or look as good but that stuff like i mean and that's that's just a product of the fact that it was made 25 years ago there's 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 nothing else to there's nothing else to take well, away i mean from like that. But i'm it looking is a great at sequence though i do love I'm that looking sequence. at it yeah i mean i'm looking at it within the context of its 1995 cgi and it's a hundred million dollars put into that 1995 cgi and i really do think that it holds up very, very well, especially, you know, we just talked about Batman Forever a few weeks ago. That movie has some in intensive CGI in some scenes, which I think for the time holds up as well. And here, this is, again, the beginning of that. I mean, Jurassic Park, only three years prior to that, had really blown the scene apart with what they did in that movie. So you had some movies like that did CGI really poorly, like Jumanji in the 90s after Jurassic Park. And then you had some movies that did some subtle CGI here and there. And yes, it is blue screen, but I think for the most part, like the explosions and the cityscape and the backgrounds and everything while they're going through and they're getting chased, I think it's very well done for the time. So for me, I'm still impressed with, with the amount of work and effort that went into that and how well it still actually holds up. Because you think, oh, 25 years ago, CGI must look ancient. And yes, you could tell it's older, um, but you could tell how much they cared and put into it. They end up meeting fucking Judge Hershey. And trying to figure out what's going on. All the judges are getting killed because th this Janice project, which is, again, as you said earlier on, it doesn't really make much sense at all. It's basically like they're just trying to like Griffin's create, role in it, like create Rico's, a new world. If it, if it was just Rico's plan, like again, if if Rico shows up in Mega City One, just mows the entire council of judges. And, you know, I know he needed him alive to get into the stupid Janus files, whatever. But Griffin's part in this doesn't make sense to me. Why does Griffin want to murder all of the judges that they have? Why does he give a shit, dude? Why does he care? Yeah, I, I don't understand why he wants to just murder all of the judges and then just grow a whole bunch of... Like, again, they're based on the DNA from, you know, that made Dread and Rico. So what use is it going to be to you? Because I know there's the one scene earlier in the movie where he's complaining and he wants executions to include lesser crimes. And he, he's like, we need a tougher criminal code or whatever. Like, but what, how, like, what, what, what good is it going to do? Like, what is it going to matter? I mean, I guess they're just better judging this or whatever, but it's not like dread is superhuman or anything. <laughs> You know, so no, like, he's not at all. He's just very just, efficient at his it's, job. It's just you know, like what I, I, I just it, Griffin's part in the whole thing just doesn't make any sense. He's already the chief justice. You know, like like I said, I th I think that you need to really focus on Rico as a villain, but making Griffin like this secondary villain in the movie as like this you know corrupt like it just it it just smacks of of too much 
uh, of too much. Just make Rico the main villain of the movie. He gets to Mega City One. He mows all the all the elder judges with a council of judges, and then you know he creates block war. Like like I said, it's very very simple. And to make this movie work, you only have to do a very simple thing. Dread is the law. I am the law. So in order to get dread, in order to, you know, destroy dread mentally and physically, you destroy the thing he loves the most, which is law, which you do by bringing about chaos and by causing all of the riots and all the block wars and escalating all that and whatever, killing judges even. Like I said, you you don't need the cloning subplot at all. You don't need any of that. That's enough motivation. Cloning is so cool. Right there. That's the motivation. We're gonna have we're gonna have cloned people walking around on the streets. That's literally what they thought in nineteen ninety five. And 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 I mean while we're getting to the, the finale of the movie, the climax here, those clones coming out of their tubes when Rico demands, you know, Adrian Barbeau's voice, he tells her open this shit the fuck up because she did the voice of that. They look like these like demonic, like zombie creatures. They're like amazing makeup. So they spent money on that. They spent money on an actor that had to be in full makeup for that. Just for that one scene, just to pop his head out, whatever. Um, Which is still the weirdest thing to me. And it's very weird. Again, because one of those elements, those clones never do anything in the movie. Like, they never, ever actually do anything. Like, they wake up, like, they start waking up, and then the whole thing is just destroyed. Well, then the movie ends. I mean, yeah. uh, that's that's one of my the most disappointing things about this. I love seeing Judge Hershey and Ilsa fighting it out like a cat fight. It's fucking great. That part of the ending climax is great. I'm not a, a particularly a fan of the way that the Rico and Dread fight no. is shot. It's a lot of close-ups. There's not a lot of energy to the fight. It doesn't seem like very well choreographed, especially when you consider the stuff that Stallone had done prior to that and then even shortly after that as far as fight scenes. It's not the best. It seems extremely rushed. Then, of course, it is the traditional, generic, the bad guy falls from a high spot yep. down to his death. Literally then as it's generic the end of it. as you can make it. Yeah, it's Batman 89, Dick Tracy... You name it, there's so many movies where the bad guy falls from RoboCop. I mean, I could go down the list over and over and over again. Um, but all that doesn't really matter that much. I mean, it, it's kind of cool seeing him fight in, like, the Statue of Justice and everything. And you could see him through the top of the, the head of it and everything. Um, but it's just way too little, way too late, and way too quick. It doesn't feel like it, it really gives you a good payoff or anything like that. You're like, oh, wow, you built up the movie for that. Again, the movie's at fucking 96 minutes, so I totally understand um, there may have been more there. Apparently, people have said there is more. We're never going to see it, so we have to take the movie as it is and appreciate it and critique it the way that it is and the way it stands now. But And then, of course, the end of the movie, Nick, is all the judges are out there in the streets, and they want Judge Dredd to basically kind of rule this new order of judges and this new way of law and... Judge is like, street judge. That's right. And I'm late for work. So he jumps on his bike and drives off into this awesome sunset, which is definitely an attempt to homage like Batman 89 and all those other superhero movies from the 80s and 90s where the hero is standing in front of something and the heroic music plays. And, you know, it definitely is like the same exact thing. And it gave me the feels, man. I get goosebumps. I Sylvester's score is fucking great. I love all the themes in the movie. Um, and then it ends and you're like, okay, 
very little payoff. You um, said you said but, this movie gave you the feels, Justin. Oh, it did. I knew you'd say that. Of course, <laughs> the nostalgia boner was high with this one, um, as it always has been. I mean, I, I get we're we're soft on this thing. I mean, as as movie critics, it's it's hard to view something like this without rose-colored glasses, and I don't even feel like I have them on now, necessarily. I mean, I just think as an action science fiction blockbuster from 1995, I just think it's highly enjoyable. I don't think it's a great movie in terms of, like, its script, its story, character development. There's little to no character development at all. Yeah, almost none. Everyone's, every every single character is, is exceptionally static. I mean, you learn. I mean, Judge Hershey, we know nothing about her. Yeah. I mean, she just works there, right? It's just, it's, you know, it, it it's not perfect and it's definitely not the best movie. It definitely makes a lot of bad movie choices, but I think the good elements outweigh the bad. I, I really think they frankly do. And I, I think it has I, I enough that. fun that I can enjoy it on its level and I can just kind of escape into it and just have a great time for an hour and a half. And plus, like I said, I, I think it's one of those movies to me where the one liners and like all the quotes are just so funny now that I can't get past that part of it. So are you saying, are you going to admit that your nostalgia boner is partially responsible for you taking it easy on this movie? I mean, I won't say it's not. Like, this is a big but this is a big nostalgic part. Like I said, this movie means a lot to me, just in terms of, like, as a movie itself. Like, as a movie, of course it does. Yeah. Of course it yeah. does. I, finally, I don't feel alone on this podcast. Listen, I just don't have a throbbing, <laughs> throbbing, raging nostalgia boner for literally every movie ever. Uh, it's not every movie. It's not. It's not. I, I I swear, it's really not. I mean, it was great to revisit this, and I'm very proud and appreciative of the fact that we had the opportunity to sit down and for the 25th anniversary of this movie, which is, by the way, getting no love anywhere else, it seems, no appreciation for anything that we had the opportunity to sit down and talk as in-depth as you can about Judge Dredd That's everybody, on this everybody, podcast. And, 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 and here's the thing, and I'm going to say it, and people are going to disagree with me all they want, but I think the 2012 movie is only as revered as it is, which I don't think it's that revered. I think people only praise it as much as they do because they dislike this movie as much as they do. I honestly well, think I mean, that. Yeah. I honestly think it's a reactionary rating where they, like, for some reason, they put that movie with all of the shitty garbage ass slow mo and everything else that that movie's got going on for it. Like, again, a lot of the criticisms that we leveled at this film, especially in terms of just absolutely static characters, just very, very straightforward, like point A to point B kind of thing. All that's true of the 2012 film as well. Granted, the 2012 film isn't saddled by the ridiculous cloning thing. Fine, I will grant you that. But again, Urban's Dread doesn't have any more development than Stallone's does. Actually, if anything, he has less. Yeah, um, exactly. But I don't think I don't, I don't think feels, I don't think fans, I mean, he comes yeah. to he comes to like the the recruit or the rookie or whatever whatever he calls the the new judge there at the rookie yeah, yeah rookie, rookie yeah. like throughout comes to kind of kind of see things from her perspective. But I mean, I you could make the same argument for Stallone in this movie as well. I think, again, it just goes down to fans that were probably not even born when or they, maybe they were born the year that 95 came out. And Well, he does. He takes his helmet off 
and Dread never takes his helmet. Just like little simple yeah, which, stuff. Which which I don't then, care about. No this one is thought not a about, comic book. You know? Like I'm sorry, but it's it's just it's not a comic book. Like the same rules, and this is something that we have hammered home time and again on this show about limitless properties. They are not the same goddamn medium. The same things that apply in comic books do not apply in motion pictures. Motion pictures have movie stars. They have big actors who their entire brand is their image. Their entire ability to make money to continue their career is their image. If you don't see them on the goddamn screen, you don't see that face, then, you know, you can't sell that. As, and, and and that's whether you like that or not about Hollywood, about celebrity or about whatever the case may be, their image is literally everything. And now granted, Stallone was a colossal fucking movie star at this point in his career where he could have the clout to say and do whatever he wanted, basically. And and make them make cuts would on this the movie that he wanted him, to make. Yeah. If if he did wear the helmet the whole movie, would it have hurt his career somehow? Not at all. No. Zero. Because he was already a big enough star. But because he was a big enough star, like people want to go to like like nothing for nothing. Like I'm not a female or anything, but like 95 Stallone, like in the shape he's in. Like if I'm a if I'm a woman going to see that movie. Fuck yeah, I want to see Sylvester Stallone's face. Oh yeah, face. dude, one hundred percent, dude. I mean, like sex that, he, sells, man. He, he was good with 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 both sexes for sure. I mean, that's why when the, his movies came out, the girlfriends and wives and your dates weren't opposed to going because like, oh, it's Stallone. Okay, I'll, like just like a Harrison Ford or a Kevin Costner back then, women liked it. You know, even Schwarzenegger. Um, but again, pushing away from the two thousand, I like both. They're two different things. They're two different kinds of movies. One's like a straight up, like, okay, corral Western in a building. And this one is a over the top science fiction action spectacle slash comedy. I, slash wish, that, weird I wish that this other property thing. <laughs> would get the budget and the script that it deserves. Because for whatever, even if you love the 2012 film, you can't argue that its scale is not minuscule. Like, this property deserves a massive budget and the director with the vision to tell the best kind of story in this world you know whether dread takes his helmet off here's the thing if 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 you clean up all the script issues and you get rid of fergie in the 95 movie and and you beef up rico's role and and you give it that hard r rating like you make it even more bloody and violent and you make it like another 20 minutes or so long where you get some character depth nobody would Much have better given movie. a fat fuck that Stallone yeah. doesn't take or takes the helmet off nobody would have cared it wouldn't have mattered to anyone but it's because of you know well we're gonna hate we hate this about it so let's start nitpicking at it and that's where you get into well it also tried to do that kind of thing it tried to do way too much in an hour and a half. Yeah. It really did. There's way too much going on. It's not convoluted, really, again, but it's just way to too much. How much was the film eviscerated to get it down to yep. the R rating? And we'll never that it know. Has. Yeah, when you, when you when you look at it that way and you know the backstory, it kind of puts it into context for you. So, I would say, Nick, at this point in time, court is adjourned. That is our full 25th court anniversary retrospective discussion on. Danny Cannon's Judge Dredd. Speaking of Cannon, Cannon Quarantine, baby. Hashtag Cannon Quarantine will return, ladies and gentlemen, next week on the it show. It will continue. Next week on the show, we will be back. Uh, the 
movie hasn't been picked yet, again, head over to the fan group, The Hopesters Dumpster, facebook.com slash groups slash Epic Film Guys. And when the poll goes up, you will be able to pick the next film in our hashtag canon quarantine series. And Justin, happy five years, man. Five fucking years of the Epic Film Guys podcast. Where do we go from here? What more? I don't. I don't know. What we more just, do I mean, we do possibly do? How much we literally, bigger will the oh, sauce's man. ego get? I don't know. We literally just reviewed Judge Dredd tonight, and a few weeks ago we reviewed Batman Forever, and then a few weeks before that we reviewed the greatest movie ever put to celluloid, Death Wish 3. I mean, I don't even know how we can... How can you go up from this? It's almost entirely impossible to how. do so, but we're going to try, tell you though, right? how. Hashtag... Ooh tut movie we get our goddamn king tut movie. there it is that's that's how you top this that's how you top this and we go to the premiere and we interview whatever gigantic mountain of a man they cast to play king tut the movie. dude all you Giant gotta do is hunk put, of shredded wheat on the chin yeah that's all you gotta do put that shredded wheat beard on that man and mm. he's ready for the role but if you're interested and checking us out on social media, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're all over everywhere at Epic Film, guys. And today we just released a brand new t-shirt. The movie podcast your mother warned you about on our Redbubble store. That's right. So that address is redbubble.com slash people slash Epic Film Guys slash shop. You're better off just heading to our Facebook page right now and uh, joining our group. The link is in there as well. We have search for colors in that shirt. Redbubble as well. Yeah, on Redbubble. It'll it'll pop up eventually, even though it's a new shirt. But uh, we got plenty of merch on there. And as Nick said earlier on in the show, if you like what you hear and you want to be a patron of the Epic Film Guys, we'd love you even more than we love you now for listening. Check that out, patreon.com slash epicfilmguys. Tons of bonus content over on the Patreon. Extended episodes just, uh, was it last week? Was it last week? Maybe. I don't know. It was was only a week or two ago. Another extended episode landed over there with a little bit of extra stuff. And we dump all sorts of extra stuff over there. Nick's watch list is going to be returning sometime in July. I want to record a couple of those. I want to sit down and record a couple of those. We want to get some extra content out to you guys. And, and whatnot and you know the pre-roll don't miss the pre-roll over on Twitch all the video stuff that we're going to be pumping over to YouTube again the episode preview videos because I'm recording the video of this as well and you can check out the episode preview videos over on our YouTube channel as well all this stuff is down in the show notes guys that's the most important thing head down to the show notes find the links find us literally everywhere every single place out there on the web we are out there and we love you we really, really appreciate for, again, years upon years upon years of support. Or if this is your first time here, any amount of support that you've ever given us, whether you've been a patron, whether you've done any nothing but just listen and never commented on social media or anything. If you're just one of the army, if you're just one of the dedicated few, we love you. We really, really we love you and appreciate there. everything that you've done for us to get us to, to get us to this point where... You know the show is 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 reached a, a point in, in of growth that I think is is incredible. You know we've reached a point with, that I never ever thought we would get to. Like I talk to people around the world, people from around the world know us. They want to hear our opinions. They want to talk to us when it comes to different things. You know, and then once once the quarantine's over, we'll go back to doing all those advanced screenings that we were just starting to get into with the movie studios. You know, showing advanced screenings of different films, hosting advanced screenings and things like that. You know, so it's, you know, we've got so much more 
that's going to be coming you guys' way. So please, please, please make sure you stay tuned on a podcatcher on a literally every platform under the sun. Check down in those show notes. We'll be there, baby. We're still here for your entertainment. We always will be. We 100% will. So ladies and gentlemen, again, we love you. We really, really appreciate you taking the time to listen. For myself, for Justin, and we miss him today, our very, very beautiful God of Podcasting, the one and only Aloy Sauce. Thank you again for five amazing years of EFG goodness. Plenty more amazing stuff to come. Until next time... We'll see you at the movies. Courts adjourned.